strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And today's episode is about the world's most notorious prison. Hmm. It's good because we are Notorious Narratives, so a notorious prison or institution is Mm -hmm. right for us. Where is this uh, hell mouth? It is called (laughs) Devil's Island. (laughs) Perfection. Perfection. Devil's Island Prison is a place that lives in infamy. About nine miles from Kourou, a small coastal town in French Guiana on the northeastern coast of South America, is a group of three islands called Ilse du Salut, or known as Salvation Islands. The islands are mostly an overgrown jungle, which is slowly covering the remnants of a French penal colony where 60,000 men were incarcerated, and less than 2,000 of them survived. What? So 60,000 go in. Less less than 2,000 go out. Come out. Mm -hmm. That is a really bad percentage. (laughs) Yes. That is is bad. The penal colony, more commonly known as Devil's Island, was established in 1852 and operated until 1953. Wow. Okay. Almost 100 years. Well, over 100 years. Yeah, but like... You know, I was, was waiting to hear. kind of, kind of close. I was waiting to hear like it was, you know, during like the French Revolution and I was going to hear some like, oh, no, you know, closed like up our, in. Our families know about this. Yeah. I was waiting for like closed up in 1870s, like human rights violations shut down upon like, you know. Mm-hmm. No. Mm. So the island received convicts deported from all parts of the Second French Empire and was infamous for its harsh treatment. Due to the treacherous rocks and strong cross currents around the island, safe access was only possible via a cable car, which crossed the 60-foot-wide channel between the island and the mainland. This is where the general prison population was housed and allowed to roam with relative freedom. Yeah, because where are they going? (laughs) They can't go anywhere. Have a a shark. How about a sting from a jellyfish? Mm -hmm. Enjoy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Although escape was always on the minds of the prisoners, it was virtually impossible because of the sharks that circled the island, waiting for the bodies of prisoners who died in captivity that were then thrown into the ocean. So since they they knew where to get their winter winter chicken dinner. So they they knew where, where eventually at one point a body would be thrown into the ocean. So if you tried to escape and you went into the ocean, they would just think that you're just one of those bodies that they wanted to get rid of. I, it seems like there are probably a lot of fat, lazy sharks. They're like, oh, you know what? Hunting's for fools. If you just circle this island, you get a nice uh, a nice prisoner. Yeah. But and it's the same sharks meaty. that circulate over and over again. Like, oh, this old hammerhead. <laughs> that old wild hammerhead. He's back again. Oh, that tiger shark, man. Hungry again. Gotta love his stripes. So inmates were stuffed into overcrowded cells no bigger than a normal-sized bathroom. Isolation in a totally dark room with no one to talk to for months at a time was punishment of choice. Some convicts were put into deep 12 by 12 holes with bars on the top and were subject to all types of weather. Men went mad because of the beatings by both guards and other prisoners, the solitary confinements, 
and a lack of food and water. Convicts were shackled day and night and were attacked by rats, army ants, and even vampire bats. Prisoners were forced to harvest wood from underwater and suffered backbreaking work while building a road named Route Zero that was never used. Just, I mean, if you're not... Give them something to do. Just give them something to do all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Break them down a little bit more. Yep. But sadly, uh, just having the, like, work to do might have been better than sitting in solitary confinement in a dark room. I'm not sure which is worse. I mean, they're both pretty fucking terrible. But for me, I'd probably rather work to death than sit in a hole, a black hole by myself fighting off rats. I don't know. At least you're outside. Yeah, I just, to breathe the fresh air at least. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like horrifying to think about. Just the Your small, options. This, how small the space is and the lack of light. The lack that's, of light. Because the lack of light is really where your mind can really fuck go wild. Really fuck, yeah. Just completely wild. And plus your lack of food and water, you start having hallucinations, like, Hallucinations. Yeah, hallucinations and... Yeah, between the starvation, the dehydration... Not to mention that sometimes a, a guard might just be like, hey, now it's time for your beating. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's 2 o'clock on a Tuesday. Or like you didn't, beat like, the shit out of you today. do something fast enough or you did something too fast or... Prison- anyway, I choose the road. I'll build the road. Prisoners convicted of felonies in the 17th and 18th centuries were sentenced to serve as oarsmen in the French Mediterranean galley fleet. Given the harsh conditions, this was virtually a death sentence. Following the decommission of the fleet in 1666, the majority of prisoners were paired together with chains aboard gully hulks or prisoners' ships until they rotted and sank and some prisoners were moved to adjacent pontoons, but others were not. Others sank with the ship. And this is kind of their precedent. This is where they're like, well, you know, it's better than the prison ships, Mm -hmm. right? They were required to work 12 hours a day in the docks, earning about 10 to 15 cents, which they would then spend on food and wine. Yes. Other prisoners housed in prisons on shore would sometimes beg to be imprisoned in the hulks, for it seemed that they had the best imprisonment. By the early 19th century, the French population increased from under 6 million to over 16 million, and this brought in an increase of crime. In 1832, legislation was passed that mandated the state's provision of basic necessities to prisoners. In 1840s, the state set up an internal agricultural penal colonies as a place to receive prisoners, thereby removing them from urban environments and giving them employment. Prisoners were commonly sentenced under doublage, by which, on completion of their sentences, they were then required to work as employees at the penal colony for an additional period of equal their original sentence. Shut your mouth. Some of them never left the island. So literally you go there, let's say you steal a loaf of bread, right? Let's, we're going to get real lay miserable about it. It's going to steal a loaf or of Aladdin. bread. Or Aladdin. Whoever, whoever, whenever, whichever Disney classic you want to get involved in. You get sentenced to 10 years in the penal colony. Mm-hmm. I'll you tell you right now. You finish your 10 years. And then they make you work there for 10 years? No, for life at that point. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a limit. The islands were part of a penal colony from 1852 onwards for criminals of France, who were convicted by jurors. Prisoner-on-prisoner violence was common. Tropical diseases were everywhere, and only a few minority of broken survivors returned to France to tell everyone about their time on the island. They sometimes scared the other potential criminals. 
Convicts who were lucky enough to have family or friends willing to send them money had to have it sent to them in care of the prison guard, who sometimes kept a quarter for himself and gave the rest to the prisoner. I mean, a quarter? 25% seems pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. On May 30th of 1854, France passed a law of forced residency. So this is what I was talking about before, about how, you know, it depends on how long you serve your sentence. And if it's a specific time period, then you live on that, (laughs) on that island. So it required convicts to stay in the penal colony after completion of their sentence for a time equal to their forced labor time. If the original sentence exceeded eight years... They were forced to stay as residents for the remainder of their lives and provided land to settle. In time, a variety of penal regimes emerged as convicts were divided into categories according to the severity of their crimes and the terms of their imprisonment for forced residency regime. In 1885, a law provided for repeat offenders for minor crimes to be sent to the colony, previously reserved for serious offenders and political prisoners. So now it's just populated with anyone who did anything. Like stealing a loaf of bread. Like stealing a loaf of bread. A limited number of convicted women were also sent to the island. Oh, no. No, no. And this was with the... No, no. no. This was with the intent that they would marry the freed male inmates to aid their new settlements and develop the colony. Yep. 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 That felt... That felt right. That felt... It was coming. I felt that that was where that was going. It was coming. We got a lot of freed men on the island now, and they've got land, but you know what they don't have? They don't have any women. Yep. I kept thinking... And also French... Where are the women going to come from? Yeah. And also, you know, the French population now has 16 million people. All of these more, you know, criminals, of course, it's going to be women that are making the same We're going to send the French prostitutes. Especially, no. no, no. no. We're going to send the French sex workers and Not thieves. Not only that, but now they're offering the minor crimed ones that have, re- re- like, the repeats. So if a woman's starving and she's stealing for something, she's going to be sent to an island. It's not even, I'm not sure if back then they considered a sex worker a minor crime or not, but any, I mean, you can do anything and you will be sent to the island. Oh, and you're a woman and this, and you did this twice. I got a place for you to go. There's a man with your name on it. Oh, a man who's been in a penal colony for a long, for long at least eight years. Yeah. Time. You think about them. There were even a high profile prisoners that were kept on Devil's Island. One of them was Captain Alfred Dreyfus, a French military officer who spent five years on an island where he was accused of spying for the Germans in 1894 and was sentenced to life imprisonment. These charges were later found by nothing than forgeries, and the entire Dreyfus affair, that's what they call it, yes, yes. was mostly put down as anti-Semitism because he was Jewish. Yep. I knew this. I knew this one. After I just didn't realize it was the same place. After several trials, they were complete crap. He had nothing against them, and so Dreyfus was acquitted in 1906. Another convict, René Belnéon. I believe you. That sounded right. Who spent six years on the island, escaped by helping out a film company. He earned about $100 and used it to bring a Chinese merchant boat to the island. When it left, he hid in the boat. There you go. I mean, money talks. Yes. Right? (laughs) He was dropped off on the mainland and spent months recovering with a native tribe. He then made his way on foot through South America up through Central, and then Mexico, finally making it to the United States. He published a book called The Dry Guillotine in 1938, causing the French to take a hard look at what was happening in the colony. I mean, he earned it. He 
He fucking escaped those sharks, man. He found a way. He had money mm-hmm. that he had earned. He found a way off the island. And then he he had to travel through multiple continents. Yes. By foot. Uh, this also doesn't tell you exactly how long it took him to go. Because if you're on an island and then you you try to bring in a Chinese merchant boat... So who knows how long? I would say this affair took three to five years. I mean, it says that he spent six years on an island, but I don't know if that was six years and then he started to plan this, or when he first got there, it took him six years to finally escape. We could probably it's figure it out really, if we really wanted to, yeah. but I think that like the escape, we know it took a good long time. It took a long time. Fucking yeah. Chinese mochin boat alone. And then on foot? Jesus. Staying with tribes, traveling. I know you're a convict, but good for you, Renee. I know, but it kind of sounds like a great time. like you know what it's like a weird survival thing it's like okay so we're gonna put you on this island this boat's gonna come pick you up they're gonna take you to south america gotta get to america good luck you're gonna be living with a native tribe for a little while hopefully you get along because if not they might eat you and then you know after a while then wrong area wrong area well that's long time period no well that's an that's another person i have to talk about okay (laughs) all right well forget what i said then there was Henri Papillo Charrier, a French safecracker, petty thief, and alleged pimp. Was perhaps the most I mean, well-known prisoner on the island. Let's, if you're going to be set, cracking safes, you may as well have I a few hoes. All three. <laughs> let's I do need this. hoes. Pimping ain't easy. So no, you, no shade whatsoever to sex workers. I, I am hugely pro-sex we workers. We love you. Thank you. He was tried and convicted of murder in 1913 spending 13 years in prison. He always maintained his innocence and claimed that he was framed for all of these charges. He apparently made some successful escapes from the island. One was in 1916 in a boat in which he traveled about 1,800 miles, where he was then taken in by a Native American tribe. Not long after he left the tribe, he was recaptured and sent back to the island. He then made seven more attempts and finally escaped in 1944, where he sailed away on a raft built from coconuts. I mean, my man does not give <laughs> up. I mean, you have to be impressed by that, right? Yes. The first attempt was 1916. I mean, so then he tried and tried and tried. Now it's 1944. 20, 28 years? Yeah. 28 years. So this my guy's probably like this. either in his 40s or maybe, I don't know, 60s. Like, who knows how old he is? And he's just like, I'm going to make a raft out of coconuts. We'll say he went to prison at 20. 20. So he's minimally 38. Minimally and hard 38 after 26 years on the island, 28 years on the island. Well, yeah. So, so it's so really, he's like 60. Essentially, you're 60. I'm your sure bone you've got some mass and like everything is just scurvy, like some osteoporosis, done. some fragile bones. There's going to be a serious lack of uh, teeth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real poor dentition. Coconuts. Where do you get the rope? I don't know. I don't want to get into it. You know what? He might have just used like palm fronds or everything. It's an island. There's all different ways to make cordage on an island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made his way to Venezuela and stayed there for many years, eventually opening a restaurant. In 1968, he wrote an autobiography called Papillon, which he told <gasps> a story of his life on Devil's Island. Yes. The book was turned into a movie starring yes. Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen in 1973. And this book was basically his safe passage back to his home in France in 1970. Yeah. Because, I mean, once you've told the tale, the dirty, dirty deeds. They want you back. Yeah. But rumor has it, 
The events in his book were stolen experiences of other prisoners, and many of the bookstores and publishers are debunking many of the claims that he made. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the harder things, I guess, if you if you're in a place where you see a lot of experiences, right? And then 10, 15 years later, you write about them. Mm -hmm. It's almost I would think it's almost hard to like really separate the things that happened to others and happened to you just not just all the things you see and heard and saw that kind of become your tale but not just that though but like he spent close to 20 years of his life trying to escape so that was all he was focused on so while he's thinking day in and day out and okay what's my next what's my next move what's my next move he's seeing everything that's going on around him so at the end of the day, if he wants to write a book about his life, it's only going to be about his attempts to escape. There's nothing else different. There's but nothing else. There's no to... like, oh, so-and-so was beaten. Like, apparently he doesn't have any else. He doesn't have anything else to talk about other than his escape plan. But I mean. So if... he just makes it up or uses other people's experiences. If you have, I'm sure he had partners over the years mm-hmm. trying to help with these escape plans, right? Oh, I thought you meant partners in other ways. Okay. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know. You gotta Hello. get the job done. It mm-hmm. is what it is. Human Hello. nature. It's a need. You have to feed the need, right? Gotta feed the beast. Feed the need. But what I'm saying is that if you are in that colony and you witness people in holes, or you work with a man trying to come up with a plan to escape, mm-hmm. and he's talking to you about, you know, being raped, being beaten, being starved, being eaten by rats, and all these experiences. Yeah, like, oh, uh, how you know, I had to work in route zero again today. That experience is still worth writing about, even if it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily yours. And I think it would have been nice if he kind of talked about how mentioned. he knew someone that was going through this. And don't claim that it was all your but own I think that like, when you go through a trauma like that, it's just so traumatic mm-hmm. that I think that when you look back, it might actually be a little hard to decipher where the things that actually happened to you yeah. ended and where the things that happened to others I began. I also think that if it wasn't so popular, people wouldn't care. Right. But because it became a movie and because he got so much of course. out of it, they are picking one by one because if this, if one of the people that he talked about survived and they went home and they found out, like, that happened to me. But then also... That didn't happen to him. That happened to me. But then also, and so now you how have are one any person. of those experiences unique? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how could you isolate that exact experience to only be yours? Like, how could you say, no, 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 that guard beat and raped me in that pit. But you know what? I bet he did that to hundreds of others. It's like, how can you, how can you prove? How can it actually be proven that it didn't happen to him? I don't Uh, know. I just, someone else speaks up, I guess, you know? I think that the idea that like the story gets told and... There's always, even in nonfiction, there's always an element of fabrication, whether intentional or not, because at the end of the day, really hard. it was, whether it was his experiences or not, it was true experiences. They're all true. It was something that actually did happen. That people who deserve to hear. Who it actually happened to, it actually fucking happened. Anyone who, so give anyone a break. who was there. <laughs> like, here's stop. the thing. Anyone who was there, any person who was in that prison colony and read Papillon or saw that movie, if they had made it out, they had to 100% know that everyone who was there experienced the same fucking horror. Mm -hmm. That horror was for everyone. It wasn't specific. It wasn't individual. But then you also had the people that were stuck there and they want the credit to be their own. So they were like, they died or I, I, 
I'm thinking about the people who are like, you know what, this is bullshit. I spent just as much long or even longer time than he did on that island, and he's taking my story. So why so don't you, you have, write your book? Exactly. You have so Tell many different, story. different types of ways to look at it. There are, there are so many angles. Yeah, I mean, of course. But I, I think that at the end of the day, there's no end for the stories that mm-hmm. people would love to hear from that. So like, and those truths, who, who it happened to? It fucking happened. It happened. People deserve to hear it. Yeah. And I would love for any survivors to write those books and mm-hmm. I'll read them. Mm-hmm. I've read Papillon. I've seen that movie. I just didn't realize it was about this. Who yep. knew? Besides the violent people within the prison, it is best known for its harsh conditions, which I talked about earlier. Prisoners had to follow very strict rules. They were detained in dark cells. They were forbidden to talk. They were also forbidden to smoke, read, or even sit down before nightfall. But then there's no light. How are they going to read? They were locked up in tiny cells whose ceilings was a grid so guards could keep an eye on them from the top. And they were also patrolled by the guards wearing slippers so they can catch the prisoners by surprise. Yeah, I do wonder if that's a specific French thing. I think we should look into that. Slippers? It's, no, the the grates. The beam Oh, yeah. Below. just like, Yeah, so they're like on a catwalk. So they're yeah. on a catwalk on top and everyone's on the bottom. That happened a lot in Limits. Yeah, well, and I've also read about it in other, like, Manthiar Mask mm-hmm. is another... Yes, um, good, yeah, very good. One out of three prisoners died from diseases inherited to the area, as well as other causes such as hunger and violence. Yeah, I mean, that, that area itself is endemic with dengue fever, malaria, yellow fever, mm-hmm. not to mention infections from animal bites. Oh, yeah. Not to mention gangrene of toes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine Sun if exposure. Sun exposure, dehydration, heat exhaustion. Yeah. Um, I mean, scurvy. You know what? They actually probably did suffer scurvy because mm-hmm. I doubt very seriously that they actually imported anything with vitamin C to that prison colony. Very happy with my answer on that one. Yeah. Well, of course they did scurvy. I mean, if if ship captains can have scurvy, then you know what? Then people that are isolated on an island can also have it. Yeah. So between the seasons and sharks circulating in the water. Some- actually. What? You know why they wouldn't have scurvy? Damn it. I bet that island has citrus fruit. But they probably won't have it. They probably won't give it to them. Yeah, but you said a lot of them are allowed to roam free. So there's mango trees, plantains, bananas, it coconuts. Depends on, it depends on how... Well, well, definitely coconuts, but it depends but you know, on all how those things far... Have vitamin C. Lemons. On, but it all depends on how far they are allowed to roam. Between the seasons and sharks circling in the water, some people who escaped were never heard from again or became stories with reports of cannibalism in the jungles. When survivors talked about the prison, they stated the sharks were the best guards. Of course, yeah, certainly. These terrible conditions were exposed to the general public, and the penal colony was not closed until after World War II. There were some attempts to occupy the island after that, though. They thought about turning it into a summer camp, a police station, a plant oil factory, and even a shark fishing factory. But all of these ideas failed. The island was eventually abandoned and the buildings were overtaken by nature. Devil's Island Prison is no longer housing criminals and was closed in 1953. The group of islands is a big tourist attraction, but people are not allowed on Devil's Island, but can tour Royal Island, which houses some holding cells and the administration buildings. Year after year, from the 19th century to the 20th century, inmates dreamed of leaving the tiny island prison of palm trees and jagged volcanic stone and returning home to France. 
Now the ruins of their stone houses lie broken and surrounded by jungle, but the island remains an example of cruelty preserved in the memories of its prisoners. That is the story of Devil's Island, just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.